The future of project management is changing fast. On Projectified with PMI, we'll help you stay ahead of the trends as we talk about what that means for the industry and for everyone involved. I'm Stephen W. May for Projectified with PMI. For an easy way to stay up to date on Projectified with PMI, go to iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play Music, and PMI.org slash podcast. In this episode, we're back with Oren Claff, author of Pitch Anything. In part one of our conversation, we learned why the art of pitching is a crucial skill for project leaders and discussed ways to increase support for our ideas, recommendations, and vision for the future. We also discussed common pitfalls people encounter while working to influence those around them. Here in part two, we jump back in as Oren practices what he preaches and presents what he calls the path to payoff when running a meeting or presenting a solution. Let's just suspend his belief for a moment and assume the reason, the results, and the payoff of the meeting we can actually leave to the end. What do we do in the beginning? Set up. Lower the dome. Build this environment. Establish the social ranking in the environment. And I'll give you some specific ways to do that in a minute. But there's got to be a setup and, and return to the big idea. We want to do it in a way that's new and novel, but have a good setup. Then we get on the path to payoff. The path to payoff is problem and then solution. What we can often do in projects is give the solution first and then explain what problem the solution solves. And it's completely backwards to how the human mind works. Yeah. So if you think about human reasoning theory, it is what do we know? What does it mean? What should we do? That is the process that even folks with low IQ and especially people with high IQ and high education go through. What do we know? What does it mean, meaning, and then what should we do? And so it is, what is the problem? And then uh, what does the problem mean? And then what is the solution we're proposing or what is the solution? Yeah. The way to really sell, and I understand we're not doing a ton of selling here, but if, if you said, hey, Orin, I want to start a company uh, or I want to buy a company or I want to raise money for my company, what's the right way to do that? We talk mostly about the problem. Because if somebody believes that what you do is hard, then they will value the solution you have. Until there is a belief in the audience, in the buyer, in the stakeholder's mind that the things you do are very difficult to accomplish and not many people or no one can, can understand this problem at this depth, they're not going to value your solution. Solution will always be discounted if the problem that you're solving seems easy to solve. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So what I tend to do for my companies is to say, so they'll come in and they'll talk, uh, say in a 20 minute period, they'll talk 10% about the problem and 90% about the solution because the solution is what they're excited about. Right. Until they've convinced somebody that what they do is incredibly difficult and they're one of the only people who can do it, the sol- they can't introduce the solution because it won't be valued. I'll give you an example. We have a company that we uh, help raise capital, and they make communication software for satellites. Mm-hmm. 
And so a satellite is not what you think anymore. It's not like this giant thing that goes up on a rocket. They're like the size of, of soccer balls, right? Yeah. You, can, you can launch yeah. them with a slingshot, right? <laughs> uh, you know, there's thousands of these things orbiting the Earth, but getting data to and from a satellite is really complicated. So they explain the problems of clouds and Russians intercepting and Chinese intercepting the data and encoding it and making sure it gets to the right satellite. And, and, and they describe all the difficulties of getting data from Earth to a little tiny soccer ball circumnavigating uh, the Earth you know, in space. And by the time they finish explaining how hard it is and how many people have tried and failed and how many hundreds of millions of dollars have gone into the space and ended up with a donut, no company at all, yeah. and, and how much train wrecks there are on the path to having any kind of solution at all, you go, geez, this is, this is unbelievably difficult. And... In the process of describing how hard it is to get data to a soccer ball-sized satellite, uh, they show their competency and they differentiate themselves from most other people. Do it. Literally, no matter what they describe the solution is, you would believe them. Yeah. If they said, after 20 minutes of explaining how hard it is to get data to a satellite securely and then get it back down, if they said, so our solution is... We wrap a goose in tinfoil and we kick it out the back of a Cessna 310. You would go, okay. Right. If these guys say that's the solution, <laughs> right? I'm going I'm to pitch right. that somewhere. <laughs> yeah. so. so path to payoff is describing the problems that are involved credibly. That's where you're doing yeah. your selling. Yeah. Then you introduce briefly the solution that you have. Once we have that in place, then we can move on to the payoff. Yeah. Set up problem, why things are difficult, uh, then the solution, and then ultimately the message we want to deliver the yeah. payoff. So, so let me tie that back to something and see, see how you react to it. We have heard, read, gone to classes, everything else for our, many of us for much of our careers, where somebody at some point says, tell them what you're going to tell them. Tell them. Tell them what you told them. That that would kind of lead this. me to love to kind of get to the payoff too fast, wouldn't it? So this is the same thing as I see guys people put up an agenda. It's the same thing. Yeah. Tell them what you're going to tell them. If you have a poor narrative that it doesn't organize itself naturally and interestingly and compellingly in the mind of another person, then you have to use all these cheats, which is tell them what you're going to tell them. When you go to see a play, yeah, nobody comes out and says, let me tell you what you're going to see here. Right. So John is going to get shot, right? And then his family is going to be really sad and they're going to want to seek revenge, <laughs> right. right? So after they've done that, I'll come yeah, back out, yeah. right? And I'll tell you like uh, how they're trying to seek revenge. It is a, you know, movies are these unfolding narratives. If you look at a modern movie, the ad for it, I was right. just looking at a movie. You don't know what it's about. Yeah. Right? You see a guy with a gun and a shaved head and a tattoo and a kitten in the background. You go, right, ah, right. I got to see this movie. Because <laughs> like, they know how to attract. And then, then you go look at the trailer. Yeah. You watch the trailer, right? A gun goes off. Kitten goes across the road. Spaceship lands. You go, crap. This looks awesome. <laughs> right? So, you go, so I go, yeah. hey, Steven, let's go see this movie. And you go, all right, I don't know what's it about. Right. I have no idea. I don't right. know, but it's awesome. Right. Well, how do you know it's awesome? Well... Because it's 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 on a narrative arc, 
right. that is enticing to the evolutionary biology of the human mind. So anytime you feel like you have to tell somebody what you're going to tell them, it's because your story isn't strong enough right. to support right. what it is you want to talk right. about. One of the things that you talked about a moment ago in, in this path to pay off and the, with the setup and then the path to pay off reminded me so much of what I think the best in business transformation. So folks that I know that have made their careers in business transformation, the best in business transformation look at this and say, yeah, you know what we call that? We call that getting really, really clear about a case for change. And it's so easy to get caught up in the solution and start. And even when somebody says, well, you know, we really need to get clear on the case for change. What we can do is we can start to shift to saying, oh, what you mean is I should tell you how awesome the solution is. It's like, no, the case for change is really about problem and opportunity. It's not about solution. And, uh, and I hear that, not your words, but I hear that you come at it, coming at it from a slightly different angle, yeah. but really arriving at much of that same place. The problem has to be big enough that the, it's worth taking a risk or a change on the solution. Yeah. The, and people have had sales training will go back and they'll say, yeah, you know, you have to create a fire, you know, in order to be able to sell fire extinguishers. Right. And right. in some way that's true, but in enterprise situations, especially somewhere where you're raising $25 million or a project is a million dollars uh, and, and there's multiple decision makers and there's real rigorous thought processes put around a decision, you're not going to get away with just sort of fakely creating a fire in order so you can sell fire extinguishers. People are going to see through that. You really need to have the ability to deeply describe a problem. And in that description, uh, your status raises because you're giving people new, interesting information about something that they care about. As your status raises, there's more trust layered in, believability, credibility happens. And eventually you reach a point and you can sense in the buyer or the audience or a raising of their temperature where they have so much belief in you that you know this area, you understand these problems, and that you work on solutions in this area, they literally want to hear the solution from you. And that is the time yeah. to give someone the solution when they want to hear it. You walk in a room, that is not the question in people's mind. What is your solution? The yeah. questions in people's mind are, why did I ever agree to come this meeting? I have yeah. a million other things to do. Yeah. We've got to lower the dome, reestablish why this meeting is important, set it up, create change, and then move into the problems that we're addressing. That is the question in people's mind. Why am I here? Okay. What is there worth an hour to be concerned about? That's the setup. Okay. What's your, then the next question is, remind me, what's your credibility? What's your status in this area? Why should I believe you? How important is this? What are the stakes? Um, and why should I be emotional about this in any way? Those are the next questions. That starts to give people autonomy. Yeah. Which is, listen, you know, we're 25% into this project. Yeah. Right? Uh, here's where, there's other ways to do this. Right. Right. You can, by the way, you can always pull the project from us and take it to McKinsey. They're going to knock it out of the park. Right. But write a check to go do that. 
right? And, and look, this is a budget and we're going to continue to need budget. You could probably do this for a tenth as much. Yeah. Right? Get some interns. But if you want a bridge built by interns, go get it. That's just not what we do. Yeah. Right? Whatever the context is. So I think that's important to show people you're willing to walk away if it's not right for them. Yeah. Yeah. That way you're not slavish to your own motivations in the project. So once you've established that, then you go into the solution. Uh, and, and so now we're on, we're building this. So now we're building a narrative arc. Like people get scared when I say narrative arc because I understand a project is not, um, you know, it's not a movie. It's not M. Night Shyamalan's The Village where you have a protagonist, you have an antagonist, you have right. people walking through the village, you have a wall, you have villagers. You know, it's too complex. Yeah. We're project managers. Right. I'm in my own right a project manager. Right. But a narrative arc in our context is a big idea about something new, interesting, novel, and changing. Then uh, a problem that is difficult to solve giving the audience or buyer a sense of autonomy. We're not the only ones. We just think we've chosen the right way to do it. Our solution. And then moving into reporting the results or the, you know, whatever the, the payoff is, the value proposition. And so now you start to see, if we go back to one of the problems, which is information dump, right? Now we can take a look at all the information we have yeah. and say, how do we start hanging it on these stages yeah. of the presentation? Yeah. Yeah. And see, I think that as, as I keep going back and applying that to all the common situations, and by common, I mean the ones that repeat for people that are project managers, other project professionals, people working in PMOs, those who don't call themselves project managers, but are deeply immersed in important projects. I think that what you just described repeats over and over and then inside itself, meaning we might be here to talk about a very important risk that has emerged and what we believe needs to be done about it. It may not even be about the big project, the big problem, the big solution. It might be about getting past this risk that has emerged, what we think needs to be done and the options around that. And still all the things that you described, I think still apply. I think giving that autonomy, I think being passionately committed to what we think uh, is right, but being willing to back away from it and honor the choices of those that have the authority to choose. I think there's uh, I think that pattern repeats. Over so and over. I give you an example. Let, right. Exactly what you said. Let's say we're working on a project, which is a uh, delivery of a tax accounting software. And this involves, you know, a million lines of code over a one year build for whatever reason. And now we come in and we say, hey, look, we've run up against something which needs some more budget, which is risk, right? What's happened today is these hackers have gotten very good at tunneling into the existing firewalls, sequestering data, and then charging companies a couple million dollars to get their own data back. Right. 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 And so I might say, today, the level of threat to um, accounting systems has ridden by order of magnitude since just two years ago when this project was conceived. There is now strong evidence that the off-the-shelf uh, white-label security systems aren't tight enough for this kind of project. And for companies who are doing 
a million lines of code build that aren't investing in the next generation of threat security and building it on their own instead of taking it off the shelf are going to have uh, too much risk yeah. going forward. Right. So that's the change. Yeah. Right. So companies get this threat. This threat um, correctly are going to thrive, survive, and be their front runners. Companies who are building on outdated uh, white label security are going to be the back markers five years from now because they're going to get penetrated um, and they're going to have a, you know a serious uh, security you know, whatever you call it. And so that's a big idea. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So look, guys, here's the problem. We can get this stuff cheaply from Kapersky, right? Um, and, you know, we had budgeted for $50,000 for security software. But over at Target, over at Walmart, you know, they saw the, the uh, security not be strong enough. And it now looks like it's going to take a quarter million dollars to build uh, our own internal threat detection. Right. So, uh so here's a problem with Kapersky. Uh, here's a problem with doing it on our own. Here's the uh, here's how we've looked at it. Here's how other companies have done it. Here's how we might do it. Here's if you didn't want to use us, you know, and we brought in McKinsey to do it. Here's what it would cost them, right? Any way you look at it, this is a problem. Uh, and we're really deep in it. So a couple ways we think we can solve this. One is we just go with the path we have and stay on budget and on time. That's certainly a solution. Right and sort of roll the dice. Uh, another solution is to we can go to Kapersky and ask them to do updates. That we're aware of these threats, and but that's going to cause a huge dent in the timeline because they're solving all the you know. Uh, a third solution, the one that we're committed to, is we just take it in house. It's going to cause a little bit more budget, a little slip in the timeline, but we think that's the best solution. So, knowing nothing about this and just making it up on the spot, that's how I would go in and do a narrative on a risk problem yeah. within a larger project. Right. Right. Yeah. I think it makes I think it makes perfect sense. It's a great it's a great kind of flow, a great sequence if we can continue to think about that applying that story model with the idea of setup, path to payoff and then payoff and not uh, not getting too caught up in in giving the big solution too early. I think it makes sense, but we get so excited about the solution, you know, it's hard, it's hard to do that sometimes. Well, let me weigh in on that. I think the last thing on the narrative arc that's important here is when I see people introducing a solution, they can't, as you said, they're so excited about it, they can't separate it from the benefits. And the human mind does not like to have the solution and the benefits delivered simultaneously. Okay. So... What we have to do is unpack the solution further. So the solution is what it is in black and white, just the facts, no editorial. How it works, black and white, no editorial, like the Wall Street Journal is delivering it. Then you can go crazy on selling it. And I think this is what project managers are looking for. The, the right and the ability to sell you know, without feeling promotional or salesy. Right. The way that CEOs do it, the way that venture capitalists do it, the way that private banks do it is unpacking, this is what it is. Facts. No editorial, no overlay, no emotional content. This is how it works. Because what it is and how it works are two different things. Sure. Right? For whatever it is. This is how it works. Again, 
without emotional content. Now that you understand what it is and how it works, wah, we can go crazy, right? It's so good and I love it because this is actually the point where the human mind on the other side of the table wants you to get excited. Yeah. They don't like you to be excited and passionate about something when you're delivering facts because they know you're trying to provide emotional content at a time and sway and influence and persuasion at a time when they're just learning, remember what it is, what does it mean, what should we do? Yeah. It's okay. People expect you. You bring something to the table. They expect you and want you to be behind it, passionate about it, promoting it. And and this path or this pattern or this narrative arc gives us permission to sell and be passionate. Yeah. The reason you feel squishy or slimy or, or salesy is be, is when you delivering facts, uh, information, and suggesting a uh, a course of action at the same time. Yeah. That's not how people work. Do you have time for two more short questions? Sure, let's do it. Okay. Uh, what do you think is most important for project managers, other project professionals to understand about overcoming resistance? So a couple things. The span of human attention is 20 minutes. That does not eat. Meetings are an hour long. Presentations are 20 minutes long or less. You should only present as long as you could be compelling. So that's one. So if you're, we talked earlier, this, you know, PMI covers CEO of the you know, largest companies in the world, all the way down to newly hired, you know, managers uh, who are at the beginning of their career. If you're at the beginning of your career and you go in to present, you should take not the time you're allocated, but you should put your presentation into the amount of time you can be compelling. And what does that mean? Big ideas, new information, novel um, ways of describing things, insight on what is going to happen next. So that's one or two. The next thing is the most highly valued people in any company, in any project, are people who know what's going to happen is likely to happen in the future. That's why this big idea setup is so important. The people who know what is going to happen one quarter, two quarter, three quarters out are the most valuable people in any company, in any project. So if you can provide insight credibly on what is likely to happen next. So if you show some ability to describe what's going to happen around the corner, you will be highly regarded. And then the benefit of that is your status in the pecking order goes up. Once you do that, then you have a little bit more power, a little bit more control and more influence. You're the valuable person. What is valuable is you, your insight, your knowledge, your integrity, your value system, your hard work, your relationships. You cannot, do you know how hard we try and buy that stuff and fail? When we find somebody with those things, we, we literally do anything we can to find a person like that. Pro tips for project professionals. Present only as long as you can be compelling. Emphasize your ability to tell what will happen in the future. I love that. I love that idea that it's not just professional project managers, but others that are playing key roles in the projects. The more you can 
demonstrate your ability to tell people what's coming and believe in your value. Oren talked about the insights, the knowledge, integrity, the relationships that you bring. Believe in it and walk in and run your meetings, run your presentations, run your updates like you believe in that value. Oren, it was a pleasure. I really enjoyed it. It was great talking with you. We'll have to do this again. Let's do it again. All right. Thanks again. For an easy way to stay up to date on Projectified with PMI, go to iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play Music, and PMI.org slash podcast.